As we stand, why don't we pray? Father, thank you for your great mercy to us. Thank you that you lead us and guide us. Thank you that through your word you speak to us. And so now here your sheep are listening to you, the good shepherd. Speak to each one of us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Do take a seat. When I got here this morning, I felt like there was a, a, a little degree of chaos and um, a number of broken guitar strings and broken locks and, and things like that. And I was quite pleased that I wasn't the cause of any of them. Normally when there's chaos at church, I'm somehow connected to it. Uh, but I realized uh, I have caused some chaos. I, um, after I told Chris the reading, I changed it. <laughs> so the reading is, um, I, I thought it was just too long. Actually, it was too short. So my apologies for that. We got an extra verse at the beginning, and we lost three at the end. So apologies for my part in the chaos. When we get to the end, I'll read those verses again. Uh, but um, we are indeed looking at this passage uh, of Simeon's. And I'm conscious that there are a number of folk away in January uh, and also a number of visitors. So we have a series uh, that we can dip into and out of. Often this time of year, we look at Psalms. Uh, This year, we're going a little bit wider. We're going to look at scriptural songs, which means we'll do some psalms, but we'll also do some things like Simeon's song uh, and um, I think Philippians 2. So we're looking at scriptural songs, but this morning we're in Simeon. As we begin a new year, I'm conscious that for many, it's a time, isn't it, to take stock. It's a time perhaps to plan Uh, to make resolutions, albeit, I guess, rather more tentatively than we probably did last year. I'm told that one of the things our forebears put a great deal of stock on was the importance of Christian ministers preparing people to die. It's not quite what you expected me to say this morning. But part of my role, part of Jay's role, is to prepare you to meet your maker, to prepare you for death. In Simeon here, we see a man who is ready to die. Not that he's got a death wish, but he is prepared. He's ready to meet his maker. And I wonder whether we could say the same at the beginning of 2021. When you think about that question, it's infinitely more important, isn't it, than any resolution, any, new, any other New Year's resolution we could make. The events in our reading occur just after Christmas. Well, actually, the bits I'd I'd prepared do. 21 happens eight days after uh, Jesus was born. He was circumcised. Uh, Then there's a gap, which is not in the text. Verse 22 uh, is when they go up to the temple. And in verses 22 to 24, there are three events, three rites of passage, if you like, rolled into one uh, brief description. Now, we can't look at the events in any detail, but just notice them. When the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed. That's the first thing. Uh, Mary and Jesus are purified. When that's completed, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. That's the second thing. They present Jesus to the Lord as it's written in the law of the Lord. And then uh, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And then verse 24, they offer a sacrifice. And if you remember in Exodus Uh, Israelites were to offer a sacrifice for every firstborn male. And we're told that is in keeping with what is said in the law, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So Mary and Joseph do all these things. They go up uh, to Jerusalem and they do these things required by the Lord. They seem just an ordinary, pious Jewish family. 
And as they go up to Jerusalem, we're told that somewhere else in the city is this man, Simeon. Verse 25, we're told that he's righteous and devout. That's to say he trusts the Lord. He, he walks before the Lord in fear. And he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. That's to say he's waiting for the time when God will recognize that Israel is his people again. He will comfort them and make it clear to the world that he is making them a blessing to the world. Well, what's more, we're told that the Holy Spirit is on Simeon. He's a prophet. And the Holy Spirit has revealed to him he will not die before he sees the Lord's Christ. Well, here's the first thing I want us to see this morning. God's salvation has come. God's salvation has come. For Simeon, the day no doubt began as normal. He got up, had a shower, he read the Bible, whatever he did. But at some point in the day, the Holy Spirit moved him and prompted him to go to the temple. And as he arrives, there's a family coming in with other families doing just what the law requires. And in this ordinary family is an extraordinary baby. Well, Simeon takes this baby in his arms and he sings this remarkable song. He prophesies over the baby. And he says, in essence, this baby is God's salvation for the world. God's salvation has come. Now, friends, I want to imagine this scene. I'm just going to borrow a baby. And I decided to risk it with a, uh, somebody else's baby. So I'm just going to borrow Ella for a moment. And just, I want you to see, thank you, the extraordinary nature of this. Ella was so good when she was baptized. Let's see if she's good. Simeon scoops up the baby in his arms like this, doesn't he? And he looks at the baby and he says, my eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. Isn't that an extraordinary thing to do? In the tradition of the church, Simeon is called Theodokos, which means the receiver of God. Now, we need to let this blow our minds. He scoops up a little baby like this, and in his hands, he holds God, God's son made man. I don't know what you imagine when you think of the baby Jesus. Maybe an angelic baby like this. She is being rather angelic. There's a silly line, isn't there, in uh, Away in a Manger, where uh, it says, the little Lord Jesus, no, no crying he makes. Well, what a load of nonsense. <laughs> I've never met a baby that makes no crying. They scream, don't they? And they soil their nappies and they throw up. And the baby in Simeon's arms is a fully human baby with all the noise and the mess and the carnage that they bring. I'm not, no, no, bitter, no bitter fruit here. Um, but at the same time, this little baby is God's son come down. I didn't know that uh, Andrew is going to read Hebrews 1 at the beginning. But we heard at the beginning, Hebrews 1 says, the son is sustaining the world by his mighty word, by his powerful word. And this baby, not this baby, but <laughs> Jesus in Simeon's arms was sustaining the world. Now, we are on holy ground as we think about that. There's a lot of theological mystery in there. But does that not make us marvel at our God? It's an extraordinary thing, isn't it? Right, we're safe. Let me hand her back before anything dangerous happens. Thank you very much. But God's son didn't just enter the world, did he? He entered the world with a purpose. He came to bring salvation. Look again at the words of verse 29. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. 
For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Do you see the wonder of this? He's come as salvation. Now, just in passing, just see what the Lord has done to Simeon. It reminds us that God has kept his promise. The Lord has done as he has promised. Now, Simeon is a prophet with a special personal prophecy and promise to him. We are not prophets in that way, but we do have a book full of, prophet, uh, full of promises. The Lord says to the Christian, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He says, all those who come to me, I will never drive away. We just sung the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I will lack nothing. And friends, there are some this morning who need to look at Simeon and let the Lord remind you of that truth. God is a promise-keeping God. As you look back over the last year, it may be a year full of disappointments. It may, there may be a sense that God has let you down. Maybe you're worried as you look into this year and think, will he fail me? Well, Simeon reminds us, God keeps his promises, and it's wonderful. Well, he keeps his promises in general, but the very specific promise here is God's salvation has come. My eyes have seen your salvation, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. We'll see what this says to Israel first. The king has come. It reminds Israel of their glorious position as the people of God. God promised Israel that if they walked faithfully before him, then they would be his people and he would be their God. He would bless them and make them a blessing to the world. And we see that promise all the way back in the Old Testament with Abraham. But of course, the story of the Old Testament is that Israel didn't remain faithful. They turned from the Lord. They worshipped idols. And as a result, they were sent into exile. Now, a number of times, God threatened to begin again. Let me start with a new people, he said to Moses. But the Lord was faithful to that promise. And he promised to restore them. And that's what Simeon's waiting for, isn't it? And there's a sense of a partial restoration as the people come back from Babylon into the land, back into Israel. But that restoration falls far short of what is pictured in the Old Testament. Israel, at that point, it's a fairly motley crew. They're under uh, Roman rule. They're in bondage to sin. Many of them worship idols. And that is why Simeon is still sitting there waiting for the consolation of Israel. And here he says, God's king has come. The one who will bring Israel out of spiritual bondage and restore the relationship perfectly with God is here. Now, as we see in a moment, not all those who are in Israel were part of, not all those who are part of the nation of Israel will accept the king. Not all who are ethnically Jews will accept Jesus. But do you see the wonder here? The boundaries of the people of God overflow. No longer do people need to become part of ethnic Israel. No longer do we need to go and live in the land of Israel. But all who trust in the king Jesus are welcomed and grafted in to Israel. As it says... Jesus has come as a light of revelation to all Gentiles. Gentiles just being the word for non-Jews. And you see here, there's glory to Israel and a light of revelation to the Gentiles. There's an invitation to the whole world to come, to, be, uh, to believe in the king and to be saved. And notice again, it's Jesus that is the revelation. My eyes have seen your salvation, 
a light for revelation to the Gentiles. The subject there is Jesus, isn't it? Jesus is that revelation. Because as Jesus is born, he is God come down. If we want to know what God is like, we don't need to play a guessing game. We don't need to think, I, I like to think of God as this. We can look at Jesus and see God. But not just so we can answer a general knowledge quiz. He comes to reveal salvation. That is the means of having true peace with God. Friend, if you don't know God as a father, if you don't know what this salvation is, can you see the invitation here to look at Jesus and let him reveal God, let him reveal salvation to you? I wonder, will you take time this year to do that? If you do know the Lord, if you are a Christian, will you commit this year to growing in knowledge of him? Our church kind of mission statement is knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. And I think if I ask most people here, would you like to know Jesus more? They'd say yes. But I'm struck that often that stays at the level of an aspiration. Yes, I'd like to know more about God. I'd like to know Jesus more. But there's no intentional plan. There's no goal to do that. Well, friend, if that's you this morning, will you make it your goal? Not just an aspiration, but your goal to get to know Jesus better this year. That might mean coming to a small group, committing uh, to one of our midweek Bible study groups where you can sit under the word of God with others week by week. It might mean coming to the equip talks this week, saying I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I'll be at one or two, 7.30 at Hillview School. It might be committing to reading some part of the Bible. I'm going to read the New Testament this year. I'm going to read the whole Bible this year, whatever it might be. But will you commit to do that? Because Jesus is the revelation to the Gentiles. And not just knowing him, but making him known. Praying that others would see the light of this revelation. Praying that the word would go out to all the parts of the world. Because salvation has come. Well friends, that's Simeon's song. The Lord has come, God's salvation is here. But when the king shows up, many people expected him to sort out the chaos of the world. We're told, verse 33, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And they must have wondered, will our beautiful little baby grow up to have the kind of lifestyle of King David or King Solomon? And they perhaps wondered, what will it be like for us as the royal parents? Will we therefore enjoy a comfortable life? Many people think like that, don't they? If I follow Jesus, will I enjoy a comfortable life? God is looking after me. But Simeon's prophecy makes it clear that that is not the case. God's salvation has come. But the coming of God's salvation will bring much sorrow. That's the second thing we see this morning. The coming of God's salvation will bring much sorrow. Let me read verse 34 and 35, which I'm sorry aren't on the screen. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. And to be a sign that will be spoken against. So that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. This child's destiny is to bring salvation to the world. But along the way there will be much sorrow. Sorrow for Jesus himself. Sorrow for Jesus' followers. Sorry, sorrow for Mary in particular. And these words are worth meditating on, aren't they? He will be a sign that was spoken against. And just think how true that was of Jesus. He lived a life where people maligned him, 
where people accused him of being in league with the devil, of blaspheming God. They mocked him. They shunned him. They plotted to kill him. They put him on trial, and then they crucified him. How true are these words? And what is true of Jesus is true of his followers. People who can agree on nothing else in life can agree that they hate Jesus and hate the church. But Jesus himself is spoken against. But you see, it's not just him, is it? He causes the rising and falling of many others in Israel. You would think that the people of God would welcome their king. You would think that they'd be eager to share in the glory that he brings. But in fact, many stumble over him. And when you think about it, there is something deeply distasteful in this good news, isn't there? Deeply embedded in this message is something deeply distasteful. Because if God has sent a saviour, that means that we need saving. And the Bible says that in all of us there is an anti-God bent. There is a, a desire to live without God's king. Because God's king gets in our way. And the Bible says that this very attitude is what we need saving from. And so often, though, those who are prosperous, those who lead respectable lives, those who are religious, find that hard to acknowledge. And many in Israel found that deeply offensive. And so they stumbled and fell over Jesus. They couldn't accept the idea they needed saving. They assumed they must be right with God. And so they fell. But others rose up the obvious sinners, the tax collectors, the, the prostitutes, those who were shunned by society and happy to acknowledge their low position before God, they were aware they needed this salvation. And so they embraced Jesus. They submitted to God's king. And as a result, he raised them up and welcomed them into his kingdom. And the same is true today, isn't it? There are many people who say, well, I know I, I don't always do what's right. I'm not perfect but I'm better than those people. I don't need saving. Or others who say, well, I know I'm not perfect, but it, it's the way I was brought up. It's my parents' fault. It's my background. And they refuse to say, actually, I've done wrong before God. I'm culpable and I need saving. And in their pride, they fall. They stumble over Jesus. But those who recognize, those who are able to say, I do need to, Jesus, I'm not right with God. He will raise up. And you see the strange thing here is, it is Jesus who brings this into sharp focus. It says here, the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. It's, it's our attitude to Jesus that reveals our hearts. Because when Jesus comes, it forces us to decide for Jesus, and then therefore whether we're with God or against Jesus, and then against God. Jesus stops us, as it were, sitting on the fence. I once worked for a church in Northern Ireland, and um, in one of the services, they had a spot like we sometimes do, and they showed a video of an organization called Scripture Union. I don't know, is there Scripture Union in New Zealand? Yeah, there is, lots of people know what I'm talking about, great. Um, Scripture Union is a great organization. It does a lot of good work in, in getting the scriptures out there. But, and this video, in many ways, was totally inoffensive. But I remember very vividly the next day we had our staff meeting on a Monday morning and the senior minister, who was a kind of mild guy and didn't, um, didn't often find fault with things, was pretty grumpy. And he, was, he, he very wisely said, that video could have been accepted 
by a Muslim. They just spent the whole time talking about God. They didn't mention Jesus. And he said a Jehovah's Witness could have signed up to that appeal. A, um, a Jew could have agreed with the thrust of that message. And the problem is we can all talk vaguely about God, can't we? We can all talk about spirituality. But talk about Jesus and it brings things into sharp focus. Because Jesus says, I am the way to the Father. He says, there are no other ways. We can't just talk about God. And I have to say, it makes me slightly nervous when people only ever pray to God. Because although there are prayers in the Bible addressed to God, the most common thing is the Father through Jesus. And as we respond to Jesus, it shows our heart to God. Because it doesn't matter how spiritual we are, how religious we are, how, how much... Um, kind of mindfulness we do the key question is what is your attitude to jesus because if you're not for jesus then that reveals in your heart you are against god well the coming of god's salvation will bring much sorrow and we see this impacting mary too simeon carried on a sword speaking to mary a sword will pierce your own soul true uh, you, your own soul too. And it must have been a huge struggle, mustn't it? To have that baby in her own arms, to have nursed him, to have read to him, to then accept that her little boy was saviour of the world. And you may remember, as Jesus began his ministry, his family came to a, a house where he was speaking, and they wanted to take charge of him. They said he was mad. He's cr his claims are crazy. But at some point, they saw him for who he was. And at some point, Mary humbled herself before her son, and he raised her up. He gave her salvation. But then as his follower, as well as his mother, she watched her son be hated, be tortured, be crucified. And it's a poignant reminder for those who follow King Jesus, the coming of God's salvation will bring much sorrow, much sorrow for him, much sorrow for those who follow him. But friends, the final thing is this, and it's very brief. If we know this salvation, then all is well. If we know this salvation, then all is well. Simeon says, verse 29, you, are now, you now dismiss your servant in peace. In short, I am ready to die. I've seen the one who will restore Israel. I know that my soul is safe, my future is secure, that though I die, one day you will raise me up and welcome me into your glorious kingdom. Now, it's not, Simeon's not got a death wish. He's not saying, right, I'll go off to the euthanasia clinic now. But he is saying the most important thing is done. Uh, I, I don't know if this is true here, but in, in the United Kingdom, ministers have a legal responsibility to encourage people to make their wills. That is to say, to put their affairs in order for when they die. Well, friends, if we've accepted salvation, if Jesus is our king, then our affairs are in order. We are safe. We will die, but then we will be welcomed into paradise. We will be reunited with all those like Simeon who have died trusting in Christ. And that should shape everything we do here. There's lots we want to do on earth, isn't there? 
God has prepared, the Bible tells us, good works to do. And he'll keep us on earth until we've done every single good work he's created us for us to do. And so it's right to plan and to pray and to make resolutions and to use our time well. It's right to seek to, to make this message known. But these are not the ultimate things. If we've accepted this salvation, it doesn't matter if we do our bucket list. It doesn't matter if we keep our resolutions. It doesn't matter if we lose those pounds. We visit those places because we are children of the king. And whatever happens to us on earth, whatever happens in 2021, we can live now as his children, joyfully serving him, knowing that one day we will spend eternity with him. So friend, can I ask you, have you seen God's salvation? Are you prepared to depart whenever that may be? Well, if not, will you investigate Jesus? Maybe come to our Christian Explored course. Maybe resolve to be at church and keep hearing the Bible taught week by week. I pray that each one of us may be able to sing Simeon's song. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Let us pray together. Father, it boggles our minds that in that little baby was your salvation. That Jesus, the great God, humbled himself to come to earth as a small baby. And that in him is salvation for all who will trust in him. Father, we pray that you would help us to weigh these things. You would help us to keep our trust in him. That we might in our hearts echo with Simeon. Uh, this readiness to depart. We do not know when our end will come, but we pray that we would be ready to meet our maker, knowing that we have peace with you because we have salvation in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.